Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Have you ever encountered a product that has changed your life? Well, let me tell you about my Udi. I am always freezing in winter, and I legitimately wear this every single day in the colder months. It's a hoodie, it's a weighted blanket, it's a dressing gown, and it's a snack bag, all in one. Woohoo! When I thought a m- very minor inconvenience in my life was improved by this product, my Udi, I told everyone about it. I told my friends, I told my family, I told my work colleagues, I told my hairdresser, I told my boss, I told some of my clients, I put a post up on social media, I told everyone, you need to hear about the Udi. For a few weeks, I was an unofficial, amateur, unpaid brand ambassador for the Udi. Yet, when my life was actually changed, when I was saved by grace and redeemed by Jesus' life, death, on a cross and resurrection from the dead, when my destiny transformed forever from suffering and death to eternal life because God loved me so, so much that he sent his only son for me. Why? Why am I not running to tell anyone and everyone about this life-changing good news of Jesus? Why am I wasting my breath going on about an oversized jumper? Why am I not bursting to share something that actually really matters? Like how much Jesus loves his world and will soon restore it for good. Should I not be running to tell this to my hairdresser, my friends, my family and my boss? We chuck around Jesus' last words on earth quite a lot in church, the Great Commission. Jesus' command to all who follow him is very clear, it's very direct, and it does not appear to be an optional side hustle for us as Christians. In Matthew 28, we read, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And these verses sum up one of our key values here at Ross Trevor Baptist Church, everyone living God's mission. Author Ed Stetzer, he says this, he says, Jesus' last words should be our first priority. Jesus' last words should be our first priority. Here's the thing. I know that I should take the Great Commission seriously and make this my priority. I know that I should tell the people that I live, laugh, work and play with about Jesus. I desperately want the people in my life who do not yet know Jesus to know and love him. But here's the problem. 
Sometimes I don't know how to talk to my friends and family about Jesus without it being a little bit awkward, offensive, or maybe saying the wrong thing. Does anyone else here or online feel this way? I'm sure I'm not the only one. We feel trapped in the tension of the Jesus friend zone. We want to move past superficial small talk and bring up Jesus with our non-Christian friends, but we're also afraid if we bring up Jesus too much, we'll get judged or ghosted. We want our friends to ask questions about Jesus and the Bible, but we're also afraid if they do ask questions that are a little bit too complex for us, we won't know how to answer them in a way that is theologically correct. So, out of shame, confusion and fear, we seal our lips, we stay silent, we let the opportunity pass. Evangelist uh, Rico Tice states that evangelism in the modern Western church has seen three distinct eras recently. In the 20th century, or the famous Billy Graham crusade era, your friends would have been Christianized. That is, they would have likely grown up in Sunday school themselves, or they would have heard some stories about the Bible. If you shared Jesus with a friend in the early 2000s, your friend may have sort of known part of the gospel but may have also presented with some defeater beliefs, which are so-called roadblocks to them believing the gospel personally. Big questions like, what about evil in the world? And how can science and religion coexist? But here's the thing. When you turn to your friends today to share Jesus with them, not only is it likely they don't know the gospel, they probably don't even know why they should care about it. And so while sharing Jesus with those around us, let's be honest, may feel overwhelming and completely outside of our comfort zones. Today, I'm here to share a powerful and timely reminder from God's Word today, where we will discover that God has already given us everything we need to share His good news with our family and friends who need to hear why they need Jesus more than ever. See, the best way to share Jesus with those around us is to break this seemingly large task into smaller, more achievable steps. And this is actually what we've been doing each week during our Living the Good News series. Four weeks ago, Pastor Dan reminded us that in a hurried world, we are invited to be truly present with those around us. Pastor Dan also encouraged us to consider how, as followers of Jesus, we are called to holiness, to set-apartness, inviting us to live questionable lives in a good way that leaves our friends and families wanting to know more. And curious. And last week, Pastor Mike Harris reminded us that we are called to demonstrate loving hospitality towards not just our family and friends and those we're comfortable with, but also those on the outskirts and those in need. And today, we are going to talk about talking the talk, actually sharing the message of Jesus with others. But first, will you pray with me? I'm just going to take this off real quick, otherwise things might get a bit sweaty. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are present here with us. Lord, we thank you that you are holy, hospitable, and loving towards us. We thank you for Jesus and all he has done to transform our lives. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak so clearly with us today 
from your word. And I pray that this word would be an encouragement to us, not simply for our minds, but also that one that would empower us to go out, out of these walls and share your good news and your love with those around us. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So today we are focusing in on two passages, both written by the Apostle Paul. The first one is in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, and the second is 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 10. So firstly, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 4, and feel free to follow along in your Bibles, otherwise it will be on the screen as well. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And secondly, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 10. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. For he has called us, saved us, and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So how do these passages from Paul encourage and empower us to share Jesus with our spheres of influence, with those around us? Well, before we dive into some important principles, here's some uh, background. So Paul wrote these letters while imprisoned for his ministry and awaiting trial, most likely in Rome. In the first passage we read, Paul is writing to a small Christian community of Colossae, which came into existence through a period of vigorous evangelism linked to Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And many of the the writings in in Colossians refer to the non-Christian past of the community, suggesting that the people that he was writing to were likely Gentiles who had recently come to know Jesus. And when Paul is writing his letter to Timothy, he is encouraging one of his mentees and companions to continue to share the gospel with others and lead the church in Ephesus, even in the face of rampant persecution. So let's tap into some bridging principles from Paul's teaching to these churches that apply to us today. Firstly, when it comes to sharing the message of Jesus with those around us, we need to pray that God would open doors. If we revisit what Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, this time in the message version, he reminds us, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes open in gratitude, don't forget to pray for us, that God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ, even while I am locked up in this jail. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. When instructions are repeated in the Bible, they're important. 
Paul clearly attaches incredible significance to prayer, instructing us three times to pray for opportunities to share Jesus with others. Paul acknowledges that it is only God who can open a door for the gospel message, and it is for us, the messengers, to walk through it. Not only are we to spend time in prayer, we're to devote ourselves to praying that the message of Jesus be proclaimed in our spheres of influence and beyond. God will open doors for us, but we need to ask him. Prayer is the first and most important step of talking about Jesus. Secondly, we need to fan the spirit of power. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul reminds us that we are not alone in this Jesus talk journey. We have the Holy Spirit, not of silence or or fear, but one of incomparable, incomparable power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead working inside of us and with us when we have these conversations. But this requires us to actively lean in and rely on the Spirit, to fan it like fanning embers on a bonfire to create a huge flame. We need the roaring power of the fire, the Spirit, but this involves some cooperation and trust on our end to actively fan the flame. We need to recognize the Spirit's prompting to speak out when God opens doors for us to do so. And we also need to rely on the Spirit's power and boldness to actually speak, to walk through these doors. Whilst we are promised earthly persecution and suffering for our faith, we don't have to fear because the Spirit empowers us to share the good news of Jesus with passion, with zeal and with boldness. Jesus, during his ministry on earth, described the Holy Spirit as the spirit of all truth, our helper. Be encouraged. You do not have to rely on your own confidence, intelligence, eloquence, or charisma. You already have everything you need to share Jesus with others. See, when God opens the door, the Holy Spirit of power will empower us to talk the Jesus talk. Thirdly, we then need to seize every opportunity. Relying on the spirit of boldness, Paul urges us in Colossians 4 to seize every opportunity we get to share the message of Jesus with those who do not yet know him. This command suggests an intentional and urgent action, recognizing that time is limited. Followers of Jesus are to be tactical, wise, yet bold in sharing the good news of Jesus. In Romans 10, Uh, Paul again emphasizes the critical importance of us seizing every opportunity, saying that it is not just the role of pastoral staff at church or preachers or full-time ministries, but the responsibility of every single follower of Jesus to share the good news that others desperately, desperately need to hear. In Romans 10, Paul says this, everyone who calls help God gets help. But how? How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if no one tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is actually sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling of all the good things of God. Paul is very bluntly saying here, there comes a point where we need to seize the opportunity to speak aloud the gospel. The stakes are high, and this is actually of utmost urgency and importance. 
See, we are the holders of the greatest news ever told, and we simply need to pass it on. See, we can act in a holy way. We can serve in all the ministries in the world. We can host social gatherings until the cows come home, but there comes a point where we need to talk about Jesus. We need to open our mouths with boldness and the words of the Holy Spirit and trust that God will use our words for his purpose, glory and mission. Tim Keller compares sharing Jesus with others with the story of the prophet Elijah building an altar at Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. See, in the story, um, Elijah invites the prophets of Baal to make an altar and call out to Baal, a pagan god, for a response. After there is no response from Baal, Elijah himself builds an altar to God, pours water on the altar three times, calls out to God, and God miraculously ignites the altar with fire. Tim Keller suggests that when it comes to sharing the gospel message with others, it is only God who can send the fire, but Elijah still had to build the altar. See, we are called to seize every opportunity to share the gospel with those we live, laugh, work and play with. It is then up to God to transform people's hearts and send the fire in his perfect timing. Finally, we need to speak with grace. In Colossians 4, Paul doesn't tell us to shove Bibles down people's throats, stand on our theological high horses, or become keyboard warriors in, in heated Facebook arguments. No, Paul tells us to share the good news of Jesus with love, gentleness, and respect. When we are talking about Christ's grace, we should let grace be evident in and through our words. Paul also tells us that our words should be salty, this means that the language that we use to talk about Jesus should be interesting, it should be personal, flavorful, and carefully chosen. Most importantly, followers of Jesus want to choose loving words that win the friendship and not the argument. I once heard in an apologetics seminar, apologetics being the art of explaining the Christian faith, that we sometimes approach evangelistic conversations like an angry debate where there are two parties turn to each other, arguing. The debate image suggests a prideful and offensive position, which can leave the person exploring faith feeling attacked, defensive and closed off to further conversations. A more helpful way to envision this conversation is instead two friends walking forwards, arms linked, talking respectfully and exploring faith together. Walking forwards, although there may be differing opinions and views, supports the faith explorer to feel valued and heard and opens up many more conversations down the track which can be revisited. Ancient Greeks believe that there are three elements of sharing a message with someone. The first is logos, what you verbally say, so your words. The second is pathos, the way that you actually make the person feel when you're talking. And the third is ethos, how you live your life. Paul in Colossians 4 encourages followers of Jesus to exercise wisdom in how they act in front of others and consider how their words, communications and actions either back up or discredit the gospel message that they share. And this is exactly what Pastor Dan shared with us two weeks ago when he unpacked the importance of living, the importance of living holy and questionable lives. See, we want our actions to back up what we talk about Jesus. 
So some very challenging questions for us to reflect on today. Do you need to spend some time intentionally praying that God would open doors for you to share Jesus with others? Are you relying on the spirit of power and boldness to walk through the doors and seize the opportunities God gives you to share Jesus with others? Maybe in your workplace, your uni, the side of your kids' soccer game, at your gym. Do you need to build some altars so God can bring the fire? When you speak up, are you winning arguments or friendships? Are your words seasoned with salt and grace? Are you, this one's really challenging, particularly for me, are you communicating the good news of Jesus with what you say, how you make others feel, and how you live your life? But now, to conclude today, let's go one step further and let's talk about some really, really practical tips on how to talk to our friends about Jesus. Are there any application lovers out there today? Anyone? And I would love to credit a book and podcast series um, by Aussie minister, evangelist and surgeon, Pastor Sam Chan, and it's called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy, um, which won shortlisted book of the year last year. This book is packed with amazing little bite-sized tips that helped in shaping the message today, and I would really recommend you, could, um, you read it in your own time. Feel free to borrow mine afterwards if you'd like. So here's three really practical Jesus talk tips to help us pray for open doors, rely on the Spirit, seize every opportunity, and speak with grace. So Jesus talk tip one. It is coffee, dinner, gospel. Okay, so let's be honest. It may feel slightly daunting to ask your friends to sit down for a long theological conversation. Instead, you can start with an invitation to take 10 to 15 minutes out of your day and invite a friend out for coffee to be present with them and what's going on in their life. And this is is exactly what Pastor Dan invited us to reflect on during our first week of this series. See, coffee is non-confrontational. Coffee is rapport building. At coffee, you talk about hobbies, you talk about the kids' names and aspirations, you talk about your travel plans, you get to know each other's interests. After, After you've had coffee a couple times, you're probably comfortable enough with this person to invite your friend out for dinner on you or over to your place for dinner. And this is really tapping into what Pastor Mike challenged us last week with the importance of showing love through practical hospitality. See, dinner is a slightly longer and deeper conversation. There may be conflicting views and beliefs, but you start to discuss your values. Your friend may even drop subtle hints that they want to delve into this conversation deeper. And this is when you start to talk about worldviews. See, worldviews shape how we understand facts, evidence, and data. Worldview conversations unpack deeper nudging questions, like... What are you looking for in life? And is there something wrong with the world? Or do you have a faith? And naturally and organically, these conversations present opportunities and open doors for us to share the message of Jesus with this person. So instead of this overwhelming, colossal task, that's three progressional steps. Coffee, dinner, gospel, or interests, values, worldviews. 
Do you know that the Alpha course that we are launching in just a couple weeks follows this exact format? I wonder who you could invite or how you could get involved in serving and facilitating coffee, dinner, gospel through the Alpha program. Our youth ministry here at RBC does coffee, dinner, gospel in their own way. It might look a little bit more like messy games, Domino's pizza, gospel, but it works. It's great. Our roundabout craft ministry, our Chinese community, our enriched life ministries, our Broadview Together ministry does coffee, dinner, gospel in their own way too. You can do coffee, dinner, gospel in your own way. Who in your life could you extend an invitation to share a coffee with, then dinner, then when it naturally evolves, share the good news of Jesus with? Whenever Jesus' talk feels like too much, remember, you have the spirit of power and boldness on your side and you can take it one step at a time, coffee, dinner, gospel. My second Jesus' talk tip is listen first, talk later. When approaching a conversation about the gospel, always actively listen first, talk later. It's a great place to start by asking an open-ended question to your friend, like, okay, so what have you heard about Jesus? Or do you have a faith? And then when your friend responds and you attempted to jump in with a Bible verse or your opinion, pause, take a sip of your drink, and invite the person to share further by saying three magic words. Tell me more. Then, when they are eventually done sharing, thank them for opening up. Summarise what you think you have shared, they have shared in your own words and check that you have understood them to ensure that this person feels heard. Then ask, can I respond with what you have shared with me? they are very likely to actually stop and listen to what you have to say because you have listened to them first. Trained counsellors are supposedly taught about three different types of listening. The first type of listening is when you're pretending to listen, but you're just waiting to share your view and talk over the other person. The second type of listening is that you are kind of listening to what they're saying, but you're internally drafting your debate to prove them wrong and prove, your, prove yourself right. Are there any married people in the house today or online here? No? The third type of listening is active listening. This is real listening. You genuinely, genuinely care about what the other person has to share. You acknowledge their emotions and you're trying to understand where they're coming from. When you're known for really, truly listening to your friends and family, before you know it, you're likely to become their non-official chaplain. Later down the track, um, when they're going through a tough time, when they're struggling or maybe one of their family members are ill, they will gravitate towards you because they have felt heard and supported by you. And this opens up further opportunities, both to meet their needs and to share Jesus with them. You want to talk to your friends and family about Jesus, listen first, talk later. My final third Jesus talk tip is tell them stories. Finally, once you have coffeed, dinnered, and listened to your friend, try explaining the gospel by storytelling. Evangelist and Professor Rick Richardson says this. I think this is really gold. 
Stories are the only containers big enough to carry truth because stories convey not just the facts but also the feelings and nuances of truth. People today tend to trust, distrust logic and truth when, is, when it is expressed propositionally and dogmatically. But when our truth is enfleshed in stories, people are interested. We must recover our own stories and God's big story and connect them to the stories of people we love and are reaching out to. Your friends and family can disagree with facts and evidence, but they can't discredit your personal testimony of how and why you came to faith. Because your story points to and is God's story. See, if God has worked in your life, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, if you know that Jesus loves you and died for your sins and rose again, and you happen to have a Bible app on your phone, you have all the information that you need to share Jesus with someone. You don't need a degree in theology or divinity to share your own story with how, of how Jesus has worked in your life. And as a next step, it's also a great idea to answer your friends' questions about Jesus by telling them one of the stories from, um, about Jesus from God's Word that shares his character, mission, and love for humankind. Like the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well or Jesus inviting Zacchaeus down from the tree. Jesus himself did this lots of times during his ministry on earth. When his disciples or the Pharisees asked him a question, he often responded with parables, which communicated his point and encouraged the listener to reflect. And there are also a lot of amazing resources out there which can help guide someone exploring faith in a really clear and simple way, which we don't have lots of time to go into today, but the Alpha Course is an amazing example and setup that explains the gospel in bite-sized chunks with plenty of time for socialising and open-ended discussion about faith. Tim Keller's The Manger, The Cross and The King breaks up and explains Jesus' life and message using three key symbols, which helps to guide discussions. Two Ways to Live is, an, is another amazing resource that explains the gospel message with drawn pictures for each part of the biblical narrative and clearly outlines true responses to the gospel message. And also the gospel of Luke or John are generally really great places to start as well because they're easier to understand for a first-time reader and they really focus in on the person of Jesus. So who could you share your story and testimony with? What stories from God's word could you read with a friend this week to reveal more of who Jesus is with them? To finish today, I felt called to honing in on my third Jesus talk tip, share a part of my own story and testimony that I only share today to give God all glory and honour. When I was in high school, I desperately wanted my best friend to know the love of Jesus. Her name was Chelsea. So I started to pray over and over again for Chelsea that God would open doors for me to share Jesus with her. And I did this for months, years even. And then one day, relying on the spirit of power and seizing an opportunity at lunchtime at school, I invited her to youth group on Friday night. She said no, quite a few times actually. And I remember her sharing with me during a vulnerable moment. I'm sorry, Esther, I don't think I can believe in a God who took my dad away from cancer. 
And I listened to her and I tried with the help of the Spirit to not come across judgy or forceful, but to speak with grace and salt. Then one day she agreed to come to youth group and after that to youth camp. And on the last night of youth camp, only through the amazing grace of Jesus and the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, Chelsea physically knelt down before the cross at the campsite chapel when she gave her life to Jesus. And I remember her telling me the morning afterwards, he is my father now. And to this day, this was such a pivotal moment in my walk with Jesus, in both of our walks with Jesus, actually, and we both decided to get baptised afterwards. But only months or weeks later, really, Chelsea herself began to pray for another boy at my school who had just tragically and suddenly lost his dad. And she began to pray that God would open doors for him to hear the good news of Jesus. And Chelsea, relying on the power of the Spirit, she boldly seized the opportunity to invite this friend to youth group too. And this boy came along with Chelsea, and he also ended up giving his life to Christ. Even in the midst of his grief and trauma, he found love, mercy, comfort, identity and purpose in the person of Jesus. And this friend that Chelsea invited is John McDonald, who many of you would know. Weeks later, John prayed for open doors and God opened a door for John, relying on the Holy Spirit to seize the opportunity to invite another one of his mates to youth group and hear about Jesus. And that friend was Liam McInerney, who I ended up marrying. Can you see the chain reaction here? Everyone living God's mission. The mission of God in the hands of ordinary people like Chelsea, like John, like you and me. Can you imagine how many hearts and lives God could transform? Can you imagine the flow on effect if each of us here and online prayed for open doors to share Jesus with even just one friend, or dare I say three or four? If we relied on the spirit of power and boldly seized opportunities to talk with Jesus, talk Jesus with them. If we invited them to coffee, then to dinner, then to hear the gospel, if we invited them to Alpha, to Life Group, to youth, if we truly listened to them and responded with grace and salt, arms linked together, exploring faith together. Can you imagine what would happen if we shared our stories with them? God's story for his world and the story of how deeply Jesus loves them. No church that as you walk out of these walls and into your week and your work and your families, that you are empowered with every single thing that you need to share Jesus with those around you. Pray, pray for open doors. Rely on the spirit of power. Seize every opportunity and speak with grace. If we build the altars and seize the opportunities, God will bring the fire and work in people's hearts and lives. Will you stand with me today, church, as I pray? Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your saving grace and your endless love. 
we pray now in this moment for open doors to share the mystery of the gospel with others. This week, even today, Lord, we thank you for your spirit of power and boldness that you have given us as a helper and an advocate in these conversations. Lord, help us to seize every opportunity, to walk through every open door to share you with everyone that we encounter. Lord, help us to listen to others and their stories. Help us to respond wisely and timely, seasoned with salt and grace. Lord, help us to obediently build altars so that your Holy Spirit can come and bring the fire. We pray now specifically for the Alpha course that we are launching in a few weeks, Lord. Will you transform people's hearts and minds? We are believing that you will, Lord. We pray now for those we will invite. Place people on our heart. Place names on our heart, Lord. We pray for the people we will journey with through this ministry, Lord. We pray that you will move. God, we thank you for the blessing and the privilege that it is to join and partner with you in your mission for this world, Lord. Jesus, we speak your name. We speak the name of Jesus over our friends, over our families, over our work colleagues, over our hairdressers, over our bosses, Lord. We speak the name of Jesus. Lord, bring the fire, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.